Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. How many of y'all know sometimes around the holiday season, relational dynamics can be difficult? It's not always easy around the holiday season. I remember hearing a story about a family. The parents are older and had older kids, and they really wanted their kids to come home for Christmas. But the kids, there's all kinds of conflicts and just couldn't make it happen, couldn't come home for Christmas. And so the dad decided that the parents are over on the East Coast, and, and the kids are all over on the West Coast. And... The dad decides he's going to call up the oldest, bossiest, oldest girl and, and, and have a conversation with her. And so he called her up and he just said, hey, I want to let you know, you know, your mom and I are not doing well. Actually, we're going to split up. We're going to split up and we're going to be split up before Christmas. And there's a good chance that we're going to get divorced. And the daughter's like, dad, what is going on? No way. This is crazy. What are you even talking about? You can't do this. No, we've got to talk through this. And so they get the other siblings on a three-way call and they're all talking to the dad. And they're like, dad, what's going on? You didn't, we didn't know this was coming. What, talk to us. What's going on? He's like, I'm sorry. It's just going to happen. And they're like, no, dad, please. Don't make any harsh decisions or rash decisions right now. Don't, don't do anything before we talk. We're all going to come. We're going to come in. We're going to, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk through this. We can't do this. We'll be there as soon as we can. And they hung up the phone. The dad hung up the phone and he yelled out, it worked. They're coming home for Christmas and they're paying for it. Come on now. Sometimes you do what you got to do. But you do want to be with the people that you love. Christmas. And I'm very aware of the fact, and I know of a few stories personally of people that are in this room that are celebrating Christmas for the first time without a loved one because that loved one passed away this last year. And I know that that can be very difficult. I remember in 2009, we had a godly lady in our church. It was around November and she had been sick for a long time and she felt like the Lord had told her, gave her a word that she wasn't gonna be alive and she was gonna be in heaven for Christmas. So she called her family and her kids in and she said, hey, I wanna let you know that this year for Christmas, I'm gonna be in heaven. And I don't want you to cry and I don't want you to be upset because I'm gonna have the best Christmas I've ever had. But what I really want is I really want Jesus to be with here, with you on earth. Because she knew that a couple of her kids were not walking with the Lord. They, they didn't have a good relationship with the Lord and, and she she wanted them to have an encounter with Jesus. Turns out at her funeral, a couple of those kids actually did rededicate their life and get right with the Lord. And then the candlelight service came out, and this, is, this was at a different campus, but before that candlelight service started, they gathered around that campus pastor and they asked him this question, hey, do you, do you think that mom is in heaven watching this candlelight service? with us. As a pastor, I get questions like that a lot. You know, like, is my loved one in heaven watching us? And there are verses in the word that indicate that there's a good chance that our loved ones maybe are watching us. But this is what I would say. If they are watching us, 
there's a good chance they're a little distracted. The Bible talks a lot about heaven, 550 times throughout the word, 129 times in the gospel alone. Jesus talked about heaven and hell more than almost any other subject. In vivid detail, he talked about it, described it. And the truth is this, as awesome and gifted and anointed as our worship team is, is and our, how awesome our production team is. I just want to let you know the sound system in heaven is even better. And the worship that's happening in heaven is even better. And the Bible describes how it is like the sound of rushing waters. If you've ever been around a big waterfall, I got to go to Niagara Falls a couple summers ago and we did the boat tour down below the falls and it's so loud you can't hear yourself think. It's that loud and it's saying that the worship and the music is so loud that it shakes the very throne room of God. And that there are angels yelling for eternity, screaming his name over and over and over again, saying, Jesus, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that there are beams of light and lightning and thunder and a huge rainbow wrapped in all of it. And there's 20 foot angels with six wings worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So there's a chance that your loved one is watching our little candlelight service, but there's probably a better chance they're looking at that. But I also want you to know that Christmas is all about God trying to bring that to you and here. One of the most popular questions I actually get about heaven is this. Will my pets be in heaven? Will my pet be in heaven? And I would say there's a chance your dog will be, but not your cat, okay? It's just, you gotta throw that. There's only one cat in heaven, and that's the Lion of Judah, and a lion is very different than a cat, okay? But Jesus wants to meet with you here. So there's a lot of different angles that you can talk about the Christmas story, but this morning I wanna come from the angle of the wise men. So let's read about it. Matthew chapter two, starting verse one says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled because he was king. He didn't want somebody else to be king. And all of Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ would be born. It goes on to say in verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, most scholars believe that when Jesus met the wise men, he was actually like two or three years old at that point. And it's because when the word was used, when the shepherds came and saw him in the stable, that the word for baby was used. But at this point, the word in the original language is more like a young child, like a toddler age child. So this is after. We've got a lot of misconceptions I know we have the nativity and I would suggest that's more for tradition because even though there were three gifts, we don't know how many wise men there were. There could have been a dozen wise men. 
but it makes this next part that much more powerful. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come to the house, okay, so not the stable, the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Imagine that scene of these grown men, these affluent, intelligent, brilliant men, all recognizing the significance of that moment that this toddler was God in the flesh. And they brought their best and they worshiped him. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The wise men. How can we find Jesus like the wise men? Well, first of all, we have to recognize, I think, what they recognize, and that is Jesus found you before you found him. Jesus found you before you found him. Did the wise men really find Jesus? Were you like, well, we just read in the Bible, Pastor, that they found Jesus. But how? How did they find Jesus? There was a light. There was a star. Who put the star there? Who sent Jesus to earth? It was God. So who really found who? I would suggest that God made the first move. He put forth the effort to show himself. A.W. Tozer said it this way in his book, The Pursuit of God. There's a doctrine called the prevenient grace. What prevenient grace is basically a doctrine that says that God's grace reaches out to us first before we ever reach back to God. 1 John 4.19 says we love. Why? Because he first loved us. So it's his, it's our move, both at Christmas and then ultimately he finished the move at Easter. God did everything that he can possibly do to move towards you. It's your move. It's your choice. Revelations 3.20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, then I will come in. So you got to get up and go answer the door. He's there, he wants to meet with you, but you've gotta be willing to take a step towards him. In John 6, it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. I remember when my kids were, were really little and there's a timing that you wanna get right when it comes to teaching little kids hide and seek, all right? Because if you teach them too little, first of all, they're gonna be addicted. They're gonna wanna play every single night. They're gonna wanna play all the time. But the other issue is this. When you teach really small children to play hide and seek, they stink at it. They're really bad at it. They, first of all, they're bad at hiding, okay? Because you'll count, and the, the issue is a kid thinks in their mind, well, if I can't see them, then they can't see me. So you'll count and you'll get done counting and you'll say, ready or not, here I come. And they'll be hiding behind something like this, like this. Like, they can't see me. Because I can't see them, it's totally dark. But they're even worse at seeking. 
They are horrible at finding you. In fact, if I hadn't helped my kids find me, I would still be hiding right now to this day. They would have never have found me because I'm really good at hiding. But I would have to help them out. Like, I'm over here. Hey. Over here. Over here. <laughs> like if I was hanging behind, hiding behind a curtain, I'd be standing there. I'd have to put a, put a leg out. Like, look for the leg. It might be connected. Well, the fact is, Christmas is all about God the Father sticking his leg out and saying, well, I'm over here. And I wanted my kids to find me because that's the whole point. That's the goal. And your heavenly Father wants you to find him too. And there's a ton of joy in finding him. Just like my kids, even though I had to help them a lot. They still felt like, man, I did it. I found him. There was a lot of joy with that. There was a lot of joy with the shepherds. In Luke 2.10, it says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid for behold, I bring good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Okay, good news, great joy. Now, what's the difference between those two things? Well, if I told you I inherited $10 million, you'd be like, man, that's good news. I'm like, yeah, and I prayed about it, and I'm gonna give you every penny of it. You'd be like, that's great joy. And it changes all of a sudden. It would have been good news for Bama not to make the playoffs, but it would be great joy if they get beat. Amen, come on, we can all agree with that. We can agree with that. If we can't, you're gonna wanna find a different church. I'm joking, I'm joking. We can agree to disagree. How many of y'all think Florida should have been in it? Florida State, okay, all right. There's a couple people in here. That's just, yeah, all right. A lot of people who don't know the truth. That's all right. We can still be friends. The fact is, the Lord did a lot, but in our minds, we still think that there's distance. He did a lot for us to find him, but we still think that there's distance. When we were talking about this sermon, working on it together, campus pastors, Pastor Rick, we were talking about that there's really a gift in that distance. There's a gift in the gap. And I'll try to explain it and how it relates to ministry. When you're called into the ministry, you realize very quickly in a very real way that that calling is so high. And simultaneously, you recognize that your gifting is so low. And there's tension in that gap. And in fact, there can be a lot of insecurity in that gap. But the reason why it's a gift is because you realize, man, if I can just remain humble and teachable and if I can wake up every day and find my dependency in Jesus and, and a hunger for his word and a hunger for his presence, the word says that if I'll draw near to him, then he will draw near to me and he closes the gap and there's a gift in that. And I want you to know that Christmas is God saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to close the gap. All you have to do is take a step towards me and I will close the rest of that distance. I'll do it. We can find Jesus when we have questions without questioning. Questions without questioning. The wise man asking here, the wrong person asked, but they got the right answer at first. In verse two, where is he who has been born King of the Jews. 
Some of you have questions. I want you to know the Lord can handle your questions. He doesn't mind your questions. But maybe some of you are like me. Maybe some of you, you, you might have grown up around church and at one point or another, you, you had Sunday school teachers and maybe they were mean and crusty and legalistic and they didn't like it when you asked some questions. So maybe you asked some questions like I did, like who made God? Just be quiet, that's a dumb question. Why did God make hell? Probably for you, be quiet, you know. Why do bad things happen to good people? Dumb questions, stop asking questions. Why did my grandmother die? Everybody dies, be quiet. But sadly, for some of you, maybe through an experience like that or maybe something else that happened in life, you went from being open to asking questions to starting to question God's love, questioning God's goodness and his grace and his mercy. Questions are good. It's good to ask questions, but when you begin questioning, it can lead you away. Questions is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will even speak to us. The Holy Spirit will ask us questions to get us to come to a place of personal revelation. He'll ask us questions sometimes to get us to see where we've gotten off track so that we can walk out repentance. But a lot of times, questioning becomes a tool of the enemy to deceive us, to convince us that maybe God isn't as good as he says that he is. He doesn't love you like maybe he loves someone else, that there isn't grace for you like there would be for someone else. Questions. So I've got a question for you, and I'm gonna help some of you out right now. I wanna ask how many of you in this room right now, you're single. Go ahead, put your, I'm trying to help you out. Put your hand up. Come on, you're single in the house. There are people scoping and hoping in this room right now, and I'm just trying to help, trying to help a brother and sister out. Okay, all right. So you can look around and just kind of, you know, they're in here. They're like, I love Jesus. But here's the thing. If you went from that place into a relationship, you would start getting serious about asking questions. It's important to ask a lot of questions at that point. You would probably ask, like, where are you from? Where do your parents live? Do you have siblings? Do you have good credit? Is your dad bald? Important questions, you know? Like, you'd wanna find some of this stuff out, which is fine, but when the relationship goes from that to questioning, man, it changes the whole field. Where were you? Why didn't you call? Why is your location turned off? Do you still love me? Now, to be fair, maybe they made some decisions, did some things. They broke some trust. They did something wrong, and that's why you're now questioning. But Jesus has never done anything for you but love you. So there's no reason for you to question that love. He's trying to show you with everything that he has that he loves you. You can find Jesus, and you will go home a different way. Verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should return, should not return to Herod because Herod was looking for Jesus. They departed for their own country another way. When you meet Jesus, you can go home a different way. I don't care who you are, what you've done. I promise you, God can get you to walk differently. 
But I think you have to be honest with yourself and ask yourself a question, similar to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse five. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. When I've gone on trips, uh, like last or two summers ago, we went on a long family trip. We stayed at a lot of hotels, a lot of Airbnbs, and you learn quickly that when you're getting ready to leave a hotel or one of those places, you're gonna need to walk around and ask yourself this question. I know I'm missing something, I just don't know what it is. I know that we're forgetting, we're missing something, I just don't know what it is. And you walk from room to room and sure enough, you're gonna find a phone charger or you're gonna find a water bottle or you're gonna find some clothes that you forgot that you put in one of the drawers or you're gonna find a passport or you're gonna find one of your kids that you almost left. You know, you're gonna find some stuff that might be important. But you've gotta ask yourself that question and be willing to investigate. Well, I think you must examine your own life and ask yourself that question. What am I missing, Lord? What am I missing? And for some of you, what you're missing is you're just not connected to the Lord anymore. Maybe you were at some point. Maybe it's been a long time and maybe the reason why you're not as connected to him is because you fell into sin and you let that sin turn into condemnation and shame and the enemy lied to you and so you've stayed away from the Lord because you think he fell out of love with you. Or maybe it just that distance happened because you let the world and the concerns of this world crowd your schedule and crowd your mind to the point where you didn't have time for God anymore. But that's what you're missing. And then for some of you, what you're missing, and the Holy Spirit's already been telling you because he's the only one that can, you're missing a relationship with the Lord at all. And you know it. And you know it because you don't have peace and you don't have joy. You don't have any confidence about your eternity. And that's what you're missing. And then some of you, you're believers. And you might even be faithful in doing the church things. But you have settled and gotten complacent. And to where you're not doing anything but shallow, habitual acts. And what you're missing might be obedience because the Lord has already told you. He's already asked you to serve, to give, to be committed in discipleship. He's asked you and you, you just haven't. And so he's just gonna remain at the door and say, I'm knocking, I'm ready to come in and let's go deeper in relationship. But what you're missing is the willingness maybe to set some things aside that are already making you too busy and too consumed to set those things aside so you can get serious about the things that really matter. Maybe that's what you're missing. Either way, you can meet with Jesus right now and you can walk home. You can go home a different way. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, thank you for being here with us. We love you.
And uh, if you're here and you recognize the Holy Spirit's making it clear to you right now that what you're missing is a genuine relationship with the Lord, with your heavenly Father. And I would love to pray with you. The word says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, all the things we've been talking about, that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross, he didn't stay dead, he rose from the grave. And if you can believe that, you don't have to understand it all, you just have to have enough faith to believe and understand that you need a savior, that you can't pay the price for your own sin, you needed somebody to pay that price for you. And if you can believe that in faith and confess him, as Lord and Savior, then you can be saved and you can go home a different way. If that's you, I'm not gonna try to embarrass you, but I wanna give you a chance to have an incredible Christmas, your best Christmas. And if you're in this room and you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm away from him. I know that I need to surrender him right now. I want you to be bold enough just to admit it. I want you to put your hand up right now, across this room, I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. As soon as we make eye contact, you can put your hand down, got it, thank you. Yes, yes, a couple people back here. Thank you guys for being bold. Anyone else, I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you guys, got it. Okay, got it, got you. Anyone else? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to surrender, I got you. Yes, right back here. Yes, ma'am. Ready to call on Jesus. I'm ready to finally recognize and surrender my life to what Christmas is actually about. It's about Christ. Got it. Thanks, buddy. Right here. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. All right. Yeah. It's all right. It's okay if it takes just a little bit of time. We're patient. Anyone else? All right. If you raise your hand, I just want us to say this, this simple prayer. I would encourage you, at some point, you need to, you need to confess, you need to proclaim that you made this decision, that you surrender your life to Jesus. I encourage you to tell somebody as soon as the service is over. But right there in your chair, loud enough for your own ears to hear, you can just say it in your heart if you'd rather, but, but just say this, Jesus, I need you. I recognize that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness but I believe that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the grave. You defeated death and defeated sin so that I can live. Yes, so that I can have the hope of heaven, but also so that I can live the life that you have for me right now. And I surrender my life to you. I submit my life to you and I repent. I turn away from living for myself and for the world. I wanna live for you. Be my Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that all of us right now 
over the next couple of days as we do so much stuff, so many gifts for family and for ourselves that we would not forget what you did, that we would meet with you and that it would help us walk a different way. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.